Hello and welcome to Talking New Retina, the official podcast of the European Society of Retina Specialists. I'm Jonathan McRae. In this podcast, we bring you expert discussions and interviews with leaders from the world of retina and beyond. We'll also keep you up to date with the latest news from the society. If you'd like to comment on the podcast or request that we cover a specific topic, you can email us podcast at uretina.org. In this episode, we'll explore in depth how to succeed when submitting your research to Uretina's journal Ophthalmologica. Before we get stuck into that, though, I wanted to let you know that on April 26th, there will be another Uretina double debate. This is a great opportunity to watch some global key opinion leaders tease out some of the hot topics of the day. The first question, discussed by Professor Francesco Boschia of Italy and Dr. William Miller of the United States, will be vitrectomy is safe and beneficial in the management of significant vitreous opacities. After that, we'll hear opinions on another interesting topic, can biomarkers be used to determine if steroids versus anti-VEGF agents are more appropriate to treat DME? That will be discussed by Dr. Dina Zur of Israel and Professor Sova Sivaprasad of the United Kingdom. The debates will be chaired by Mr. Alistair Laidlaw and Professor Anat Lowenstein and are sure to be really interesting discussions with lots to learn. So please do join us for the next Uretina double debate at 8pm CEST, that's Central European Summertime, on April 26th. Registration open soon on the Uretina website. Now, on to our discussion for this episode. Ophthalmologica is the official journal of Uretina, but how is research selected and what steps can you take to have the best chance of having your work published? To answer these questions, I'm joined by Professor Martin Zinkernagel from Intel Hospital in Switzerland. He's also editor of the journal and a Uretina board member, as well as Marco Casola from Cargo, who published the journal. Uh, you're both very welcome, gentlemen. Thank you very much for joining us. I think this is your first time on the podcast, is it not, Martin? Yes, it is. Thank you for the introduction, Jonathan. Very kind of you. Um, let's start off talking a little bit about Ophthalmologica then. What sort of papers are submitted? What do you look for in the papers that are submitted to the journal? Yeah, so first of all, it's a retina-centered journal. So we're mainly publishing research on retina, which includes, of course, medical retina, but also surgical retina. Uh, it is the official journal of the European Society of Retina Specialists, so all members receive a free copy and free access to the journal. Marco, how many papers uh, get submitted to Ophthalmologica and what sort of way are they assessed? Yeah, um, we received uh, an average of 300 papers uh, a year in 2022 and, uh, and about the same amount in 2021. How they are assessed, um, they, they, they first uh, pass by the, the editor-in-chief, where um, Martin, in this case, uh, assesses the, the, the fit of the scope of the journal, novelty, language, and so on. And uh, if it passed, the, the article passes the first uh, the first screening, let's call it, then uh, is being assigned to the to the associate editors, which is the specialist uh, in this case, and it will um, invite reviewers, uh, and that's the first cycle of peer review. Then the, the article goes back to the associate editors, which gives uh, a recommendation to the editor-in-chief, and the editor-in-chief renders a first decision or a final decision. And, and so what sort of papers typically get published, Martin? Are, are they uh, necessarily 
groundbreaking? Uh, do you publish failures, controversies? What what sort of papers do really catch your eye in that first screening? Yeah, so most of all, it's research articles that get uh, submitted and get published. So original research, you know, be it small studies or larger studies. I mean, groundbreaking, you know, often papers have a, a good idea behind them, an original idea. And uh, so, I mean, in a way, it needs to be groundbreaking. It's not, you know, research that has been published before. So in a, in a way, it, it is groundbreaking. And most important is that the, the idea is good, that it's solid research, that it really adds to the current literature. And does, do, do you need to have large study sizes or? No, I would say, you know, the, the, the more original the idea and the more significant something is, the, the smaller the sample size needs to be. I mean, you can do great studies with small sample sizes if you have a very novel finding, if it really is reproducible. And most importantly, if it's generalizable for the uh, population. So this is really important. It needs to be generalizable to a larger population. Marco? Yeah, uh, I just want to echo Martin uh, stressing on the novelty uh, factor of the of the journal. So ophthalmological is caring about uh, novelty of the their article uh, submitted. Then, of course, I mean we're looking to publish uh, hot topics uh, when they come up. Uh, just a note on the, the negative results uh, or failures. Uh, we know as publisher that these are important, but at the same time uh, we also know that these kind of articles are not really cited or not really well read in the literature. So there are some examples of uh, other publishers trying to publish negative results, but they, they failed quite badly. So it, it's an open discussion, I will say that. Right, okay, very interesting. Um, no, no, I, absolutely. I, I just want to echo uh, Marco's uh, comment. I think it's really important to also publish negative results. And um, Marco, just, um, you know, we can also publish methods articles, which don't provide a result, but maybe, you know, a means to communicate a method or a, a protocol of a study that you want to publish. So it doesn't really always need to be results. It can also just be methods. Right. So what are the most common reasons for rejection, Martin? Why do you um, say no when you say no? Yeah, so basically the first reason, if it doesn't fall into the scope of the journal, so if it's, you know, a study that's uh, maybe on another subject, uh, which is not the focus of ophthalmologica. So this is the most common reason for rejection. Other reasons are if, they, if the study does not add to the current literature. So if it's just, you know, not really novel if it's not really important, if there is poor methodology uh, or questionable results. So if you look at the study and it doesn't really, you know, it doesn't really make sense. Other reasons are if, for example, the title does not correspond to the, to the abstract or to the text. If the authors discuss something that's not reflected by the, by the data they have, um, if there is a very small sample size, if there is problematic control group, if the control group is not adequate. 
And of course, I mean, if there's poor English, she can't really, you know, understand what the authors are talking about, then this is also a, a reason to reject an article. Marco? Yeah, um, I can add uh, some more, which maybe they're uh, a little bit less um, common, let's say. Uh, from the publisher side, we, of course, check uh, the, the, that the research ethics uh, are being followed. So if the article is not following our uh, research uh, ethic uh, policies, then it's being rejected. And also we check plagiarism. So these, uh, these two issues are being checked uh, by, the, um, by the editorial office. Of course, yeah. Uh, Martin... I presume um, this is a conversation, though, most of the time and reviewers come back with uh, comments and, and then there's a resubmission process or, or, or some way to re respond to those reviewers. Can you take me through that? Yeah, so I think it's, it's important that to understand that the reviewer process is to improve your paper. And it's not just, you know, try and try again and resubmit and resubmit. It's it's more like a try and refine process. So you really want to refine your paper. The review process is basically, it's a process where an expert in the field looks at your paper. And uh, in the end, you really want to respond to all these questions raised by the reviewers. It's important to, first of all, provide an overview, you know, and state, what are the major concerns of the reviewers? Uh, so maybe you want to, uh, to begin with a summary of changes, pointing out the new data and the new anal analysis that you performed in response to the reviewers so that the reviewers can just have a look at it and they see, okay, the authors have really put a lot of effort into improving the manuscript. It's important to be polite and respectful to the reviewers because um, <laughs> they just, you know, most of the time they just want to help you to improve the, the manuscript and, and to, to further your research. It sounds like sometimes passion gets in the way. Yeah, sometimes passion gets into the way and sometimes you may perceive, you know, this criticism to be rude, but um, I think you know, it's important to understand that sometimes the reviewers, if they don't understand what you want to say in your paper, it doesn't mean that the reviewers are against you. It means that they don't understand what you try to publish. And yeah. It's basically the fault of the paper that it's not clear enough to bring across this message. So be polite in your answers. The goal is to make the work clear and accessible to all readers, not just the experts. So I think this is a really important point. You know, uh, it needs to be clear that the, the message you want to uh, bring across needs to be really clear. And uh, if, if something is not understood by the reviewer, then probably you haven't made your uh, point clear enough. Reviewer too is a human being too. Uh, exactly. <laughs> something and to consider. Um, Marco. 
Um, no, just adding um, on the same line. Yeah, be be polite uh, and also be pleased that the article was not rejected. So it's very rare that an article is accepted at the first round. And I mean, everybody goes through peer review. Don't be upset uh, and don't take it personal. Uh, you know, that's uh, that's uh, the, that's the main thing. And and of course, I mean, respond to each point. Um, use track changes uh, and uh, you know, again, be polite and everything is going to be good how important is the abstract marco um i think it's very very important from uh, an editorial point of view uh, is the first piece that the editors read to understand to evaluate uh, the, the the research of the author so it needs to be clear concise and i think it needs to explain the hypothesis and briefly also the results most of the journals that we publish, the abstract is structured, so we have a different section and it's easier uh, easier to write. For some other journal, it's just one piece um, without different paragraphs. But yeah, uh, I think uh, the, the, the clearest uh, the, the authors can be, the best it is. Is there um, a guideline to writing the perfect abstract for this journal, uh, Marco? Or if someone wants to submit something and they want to make sure that abstract really hits home, uh, is there any advice for them? We have, of course, uh, author guidelines, uh, which are not really dedicated uh, specifically on this journal. So we have uh, courses dedicated to authors that can help them uh, to to write better uh, scientific articles. But yeah, we don't have anything uh, really specific only on abstracts. This is actually a good suggestion. I may bring it up uh, to, to my colleagues. Thanks. Great. Um, always happy to help. Martin, what importance do you put on the abstract? Yeah, it's very, very important. You know, often we just read the title, we read the abstract, and that's it. And if the abstract is not self-explanatory, uh, you know, things get difficult. If you have to read the paper in order to know what is reported, then something is, is wrong. So really, the abstract needs to be very clear, very simple. It also needs to match with the title. If you have a title and the abstract doesn't match with the title, there's something wrong about the article. I think it's also very important that you have your keywords in the abstract because the abstract is normally, you know, you can find it with a search engine. So if you have the keywords in the abstract, your article is more frequently found uh, when you look for it in uh, with a search engine. This is something that I think not everyone realizes that the order of your words and the type of words that you use for your title and your abstract are quite important if you want those articles to be found. Marco, can you give people some advice on how to uh, title their paper and how to optimize the searchability of their abstract. Yeah, to maximize the, the impact of the abstract and the searchability of the abstract, as you were saying, the use of strong and specific keywords is, is essential for indeed all the, the, the search engines that are around that analyze abstract and titles just based on keywords. Then I will say, you know, in the title, um, express why this research is important. If it has, for example, a concrete uh, application, uh, an industrial application, uh, it would be very useful. I don't know if you have a discovery that uh, helps to produce biodiesel, uh, you know, insert biodiesel in the title and, uh, you know, it will help uh, the, 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 the searchability and the discoverability of your article. 
Yes. Um, and I suppose making sure that those those words come up quite early in the title as well is quite important because they're they're weighted in a particular way. So if you have a, a long title where you talk about the effects of something, 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 and you only talk about the, the actual specific therapeutic area at the end, then it, it is less um, highly rated in search engine metrics. So I think it's a really important thing for people to consider when they are um, writing their uh, research to put the original and specific stuff uh, right up there at the front. Um, Just Mark regarding the title, I think it's really important to keep it brief, to keep the title short, and to cover already some kind of conclusion in the title. So not just say, you know, uh, looking at prevalence of something, So, but the prevalence is higher in this and this population. So it really catches the eye. And you really already from the title, you see what's what's the paper all about. So I think this is really an important point. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think you're, you're right. A lot of those papers don't do that. They say um, we're looking at, at this or the effects of this, but they don't tell you what that effect is in the title. Um, how do you promote uh, your paper once you have been successful? So you, you've made it through the review process, you've published in Ophthalmologica. What should people do to make sure as many people as possible see it, Marco? Yeah, uh, I would suggest all the authors to, to post this on their uh, social media as much as possible. All the social medias uh, are, are good from Facebook to LinkedIn to, to Twitter. Um, tag the, the publisher. Uh, we usually, if you, if you, we see the, um, we, we actually, uh, post uh, all the articles that we publish on our ophthalmologica at Carger, um, Twitter account. If the author tags us, then we can, you know, retweet it or repost their post. And uh, additionally, we also have um, services that we can offer to authors uh, uh, from um, a satellite company that we just acquired. Uh, it's called uh, Research uh, Publishing International. And they offer um, the authors to be uh, features in, in their research magazine, bridging the, the let's say, the research world and the, the, the public opinion and the normal audience. That would increase even more uh, the, the visibility of, uh, of your article. So uh, when publishing on social media, make sure to tag Cogger, make sure to tag the authors of the paper and you Retina as well. And that's across all the social media because those institutions will see that and they will publish it. And of course, don't forget the institution in which you're working as well. People might know you from Incel um, Hospital in, in Switzerland, but it's important to tag them so they get that visibility and they can share across their networks. So, Martin, to finish up, any top tips for any researchers thinking about publishing in Ophthalmologica? Yeah, Jonathan, great question. So, um, as I said before, the, uh, the aims and scope of the journal is retina research. Um, I would really advise uh, potential authors of the journal to visit the, the webpage of Ophthalmologica to have a look at the author's guidelines because there is a lot of different uh, formats you can uh, submit. For example, as I said, research articles, but you can also submit review articles or brief reports. And each has a little bit different format. So I think it will, it's really important to have a look at this. And then, of course, you have to you know, submit uh, sound and, uh, and good research, novel research. And as we mentioned before, 
try to keep that title short, try to have a good title and to match the abstract with the title. And then, of course, just adhere to the to the journal's uh, guidelines and uh, submit your paper and then keep your fingers crossed and hope for the best. Martin, one thing I hadn't thought about, do you want only to hear from uh, authors once the paper is fully finished and ready to publish? Or do you want to hear from them earlier? Would that be useful if they are nearly ready to submit, but they want to get guidance from you? Would that be useful to hear from them earlier on in the process rather than when they're submitting all of the results? Yeah, this is a good question. Basically, it's it's easier to just to write in the a letter to the editor if there are any concerns or any you know things that the the authors would like to uh, communicate. It's usually not advisable to contact us before the paper is submitted because we can't really assess the paper properly without having the the manuscript in front of us. So. Um, at the time point of submission, you can submit the letter to the editor and there you can uh, communicate any you know issues you have with the article or any questions. Really good answer. Thanks for that, Martin. Marco? Yeah, um, as uh, as general tip, uh, I I can add uh, you know to the authors uh, when the when uh, when did you start uh, writing uh, an article, uh, already think about what kind of uh, what journal do you want to submit it. You know, go as Martin was saying, read the article that has been submitted to the to the journal, read the style and uh, how they're uh, how they're written, and uh, do something similar for your article, and that will definitely increase your uh, uh, success rate. Uh, in, uh, in having uh, your, uh, your paper accepted. Well, gentlemen, I have to say, I, I really appreciate your time. And I think this has been a really useful exercise to take people through from start to end how to get their work published in the journal. Lots of uh, interesting uh, information and tips there. So I hope that will be useful for our listeners. I'm sure it will. Professor Martin Zinkenagel from Intel Hospital in Switzerland, editor of the journal and you retina board member and Marco Casola from Carger, who published the journal. Thank you so much for your time. That's it for this episode. If you thought this was useful, do let us know and we'll do more episodes like this. You can email us podcast at uretina.org. We'll be back again in two weeks with another scientific discussion. Hope you join us then. In the meantime, thanks for listening. I'm Jonathan McRae and we'll see you next time on Talking Uretina. Retina.